Hello and welcome to Intrepid Times, your home for narrative travel writing with heart. I'm Nathan Thomas, and alongside my co-host Jennifer Roberts, we take you behind the scenes of some of our most popular travel stories, get you to meet travel writers, and help you discover how you can share your own travel stories with the world. Hello and welcome to Intrepid Times. We have a very special episode today because our guest is someone you normally know in capacity as host, Jennifer Roberts. Now, Jennifer is not only a travel writer, editor, uh, and experienced traveler, but as someone who's thought a lot about and engaged quite deeply with the topic of anxiety in the context of travel. Now, one might think that anxiety is a reason not to travel. It's something that prevents you from getting out your door. Or one might think that anxiety is a result of travel, something that travel causes you to feel inside of yourself. Um, but the perspective Jennifer brings to it is that travel can actually be a weapon or a tool or a treatment against anxiety in the rest of your life. That is by traveling and by writing travel stories, you become more empowered to control or overcome uh, anxiety in all other contexts. Jennifer, would that be a fair summary? Feel free to correct or rephrase. And also, can you give a little bit of insight, just however you're comfortable sharing into what makes this topic so important to you and when you kind of first started thinking about it in the context of travel? Sure. Yeah. So it's important, I think, now you mentioned control, and that's going to be, I think, a really central idea as we're talking about this. Um, but I do think it's important to note that, you know, none of this is about, you know, controlling your anxiety. Um, I think that's a common misnomer. Um, we can't really control the anxiety, which causes us more anxiety, right? You know, it's a big part of what causes people with anxiety to struggle. Um, because there is a lack of control. And so I would just correct that a little bit and say, you know, that any kind of work we're doing with our anxiety is more to to work with it, to live in a way that the anxiety is present because it usually will be, but that it's not determining the course of our lives. Um, so I would say, you know, working with it, overcoming, I'm okay with using that kind of terminology. Um, but yeah, control is a weird thing and maybe we'll get into more of that. Anxiety and mental health in general is hugely important to me. And it's a huge reason why I decided to start traveling. You know, my close family, uh, parents, siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, we've had a lot of trouble with anxiety and other mental health struggles. And that got passed on to me. Um, I've, you know, been struggling with anxiety since I was a teenager. I uh, had my first panic attack around the age of 20. And, you know, when you start to deal with anxiety, it's one of those things that you kind of hope will just go away. Um, when you're not feeling it, you're like, oh, I'm fine. This is great. Um, and then it kind of sneaks up on you. Um, and so you slowly start to realize that it's something you're going to have to to work on and find some kind of treatment for. Um, you know, whether that comes in the form of certain types of exercise or meditation, sometimes it can involve therapy. Uh, for me, it did. You mentioned that when people think of travel, they think of it as something that tends to cause anxiety. Um, so people who are naturally anxious, you know, why would I travel? It's going to cause me so much anxiety. 
Um, and for me, that was also the case. You know, I assumed that travel was going to be a really difficult thing in the context of dealing with anxiety. So I did, you know, do pre-travel uh, therapy, you know, with a therapist, um, which was hugely helpful and actually really necessary in my case, just to understand that, you know, my anxiety wasn't something that was going to have to hold me back if I decided that it wouldn't. You know, that work I did in therapy helped me understand that when you see travel in a particular way, you can approach it knowing that it's going to challenge you and then take it on as its own kind of therapy. You know, knowing that there's going to be things that are going to surprise you, things that you can't control, things that are going to feel really difficult in the moment. And how do you deal with those things? You know, how do you prepare yourself to deal with those things, knowing that anxiety is probably going to be an issue at those specific times? So yeah, there's been there's been a lot of work over the years. Uh, it's been you know over a, a decade of doing the hard work um, to be able to live with anxiety and live in a way that feels good um, and allows me to travel and do the things I love doing. And that has involved a lot of travel experiences. Uh, the first was traveling to Thailand. Right after COVID, my partner and I took a year to travel because I had seen how beneficial it could be for mental health. Um, and that was as effective as I hoped it would be. So yeah, I've come to see travel as a hugely powerful tool for people who struggle with anxiety. So I guess there are two things that I want to unpack here, and I'd love for you to speak about your own uh, experience, particularly I, th I think this first big trip to Thailand seems to be when you really sort of crossed your Rubicon here, because there, there are two sides of it. One is that you mentioned that work that you did, that therapy work to prepare for travel, to know and to accept the challenges that come with it. And the other is when you get back home, having faced down your fears in the travel world, having learned other lessons, seeing how you are changed as a person or perhaps better equipped to manage this when you're not traveling because of what you did when you were. Yeah, so let's start with the, the experience with Thailand because that's, as you rightly point out, kind of where things turned. You know, I was in my third year of university when I decided I wanted to travel. And so there was a lot of preparation going into, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes and cliches around mindfulness these days. Um, but mindfulness can actually be really important in the treatment of anxiety and working with anxiety, because that's really just noticing what you're thinking and what you're doing, doing things consciously instead of just kind of being on autopilot, because that's when we tend to experience the most anxieties when we're not being aware of kind of what's happening and how we're feeling about things. You know, those things then creep up on us or they build and turn into, you know, possibly panic attacks or just heightened anxiety. So a big part of that preparation was mindfulness. You know, what am I thinking and why am I thinking that? For people who struggle with anxiety, there's often, you know, these spirals of thinking, you know, well, I can't do this because of this reason. And then you continue to convince yourself that you can't do it for this reason and this reason and this reason is going to be terrible for this reason. You know, this could possibly happen. Why would I do this? And so recognizing when those spirals start can be really important. And when you're traveling, you know, those thinking spirals can be significantly worse 
because usually when you're traveling, you're going to a place that you don't know very well, if at all. And so there's going to be a lot of moments where there's going to be uncertainty and a lack of control. And so your thinking can really easily spiral into, I shouldn't walk down this street. What if this happens? You know, what if this person is there? You know, what if I can't find my way? What if I get lost? Those thinking spirals can creep up on you really quickly in travel. And so learning mindfulness, learning to observe when those things start and getting a hold on those and being more realistic is really important. So that was a big part of kind of the preparation before Thailand. Another part of that is equanimity. The kind of flip side of anxiety is a sense of equanimity where it goes a step beyond mindfulness. You know, you're observing what you're thinking, you're observing what you're doing, and then you're doing that without bias. You're not judging it to be good or bad. You know, you're saying, yes, I feel anxious. And you don't feel bad about yourself for that, right? That's just a quick example. And you notice, you know, there's a big crowd here tonight and that's not good or bad. Um, and that can really help to tone down any anxiety because you're not immediately judging a situation as negative or dangerous or challenging. Um, so equanimity is another really important tool that I had to learn before going to Thailand. And that's not to say at all that, you know, I got to Thailand and I was just a happy-go-lucky person and it was all amazing. All of that preparation was done with the awareness that this was going to be really hard. And that's okay, because this is the way that I'm going to train my anxiety. This is the way I'm going to train myself to recognize that even if I don't have all the control or all the answers, it's still going to be okay. That, I think, is one of the key lessons that travel can teach us, is that a lot of things can go wrong or can go in a different way than we expected, and we still come out okay. I love the expression training anxiety. And of course, that really much is something that travel teaches us that, you know, we anyone who's traveled a lot knows that one cannot expect everything to go exactly according to plan. And indeed, it's those things when those moments when things threaten to go off the rails that often the magic lies. But th those are often the, the moments of greatest fear and anxiety, too. So being equipped in some ways through these concepts that you've explored to anticipate and manage them in the moment is, is super helpful and I, and I can see those lessons being applied when you return home too. I, I think one thing I'm interested in is that in real life, I mean travel is real life, but back home of course things also don't go to plan. You know, why is it, what is it about travel that makes it easier to practice these skills? Yeah, no I understand, you know, why can't we practice these things at home? <laughs> And I mean, the short answer is you can. Travel, I think, makes the act of overcoming moments of anxiety unavoidable. Whereas at home, a lot of them are avoidable or at least easier to overcome because we can lean on friends, we can lean on family. We're in a place that we know, so we know where to go to for help or support. Um, that's not always the case with travel. Um, you really have to rely on yourself and your own ability to to work with your thoughts and what you need to do next. In travel, it's more about what am I capable of when I have no other option? And I think that that can be a great deterrent for anxiety because you start to realize everything that you can do and also be much more realistic about what you can and can't control because so much of anxiety is, you know, overestimating or underestimating how much of life we can control. And in travel, 
there's just so many examples that help prove to you or help you kind of parse out which parts of life you can and which parts you can't control. And so then you go into new experiences with this evidence, knowing that, okay, this is something I can work with. This is something that will be more difficult. And those kind of experiences that build on each other, I think that's the thing that comes with travel that you don't always get at home. And it's interesting to look back post factum at those moments where maybe you've been robbed or you're stuck somewhere and you just have you you're i can think of some examples of of my travels when i know you've gotten on the wrong train or you found yourself somewhere and you don't you're you're running from and think about examples in india when you're at a train station and there's no information and you're running from counter to counter to try and find information about this train that's about to leave and all of your whole plans are contingent upon getting on this train but it's absolutely impossible and you're just like overwhelmed with maybe not quite panic although that certainly does happen but just fear and stress and then you figure it out and you get through to the other side and and then you're like you know I did that I solved it I, I overcame that and you learn so much from that thrill that moment I'm wondering if you have examples of that from your own experience that you might want to share yeah no I mean even just the first day that I was in Thailand it seems so simple but I didn't know where to get food. I think this is something that a lot of travelers might encounter where you're in a new city and, you know, especially cities that are completely different from where we're from, you know, Thailand and Illinois are about as different as you could possibly be. Um, the language, I mean, there's nothing in common. I mean, if I tried to speak in English, most people wouldn't understand me. I didn't know, you know, my hotel, where was it in relation to the city center? How far would I have to walk? You know, what kind of food is available? How do I tell them what I want? And so just finding a place to eat just seemed so incredibly challenging. But it was a moment where, you know, I have to eat. <laughs> so we're just going to go out and walk around and see what happens. And I walked around for about 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, you know, a little food cart had popped up. And I walked over, pointed to something, and they asked me to sit down. And yeah, it was a really interesting moment because just getting started, it was just a very small piece of evidence. Like, you know, you can be unsure about these things and you're going to figure it out because you have to. You know, a bigger example, you know, a more intense example was, you know, about seven or eight months into my time in Thailand. I was taking a solo road trip to a city south of Chiang Mai in the middle of the Thai summer, um, which, you know, maybe wasn't the best idea, but I was in Thailand. I had to do it. And on the way back, I got in a crash. You know, I was on a motorbike, so any crash you have on a motorbike, you're going to get some kind of scrapes. Um, you know, I had twisted my ankle. I was bleeding from my foot. You know, that's an intense example where, you know, what am I going to do? You know, my motorbike has just crashed. I can't make it home. I'm still two hours from my apartment. There's nobody around that I know. All my friends are back in the city. You know, who do I even call? You know, fortunately for me, the ties are amazing people in general, uh, just really sympathetic and helpful um you know within minutes i was carted off to a hospital and there was really kind people there translating for me in english letting me know where i was i had really great friends in chiang mai who came and got me but you know the run-up to all of that was simply recognizing you know this is a really terrible moment but it will be fine and those are the moments you know that particular kind of moment which you know some people may have had experiences where they get hurt while they're traveling and they're by themselves and those can be really scary 
And of course, you know, if that had happened on my first day, I probably would have turned around and jumped on a flight back home. Luckily, I had kind of built up experiences and knew what the local culture was like. You know, I knew that I could in general trust uh, certain types of people. I knew who to call if there was an emergency. I knew the capabilities of the hospitals, things like that. But the basic thing that you just need to understand is that you will get through it. If you can you know, recognize that, calm yourself down and just recognize where you are and what's happening and keep yourself there without jumping to, I'm never going to get this figured out. This is going to be terrible. This is going to end my time here. Instead of jumping to those conclusions, which is what anxiety tends to make you do, you, know, you stay in what's happening and be realistic about the possibilities. That's a great story. And such a good, solid piece of advice, like staying where you are in that moment. Are there specific techniques you've learned for that? Or is it just going in with that attitude and practicing over time? I mean, some of it's practice, but what are you practicing, right? That's the question. Um, you know, mindfulness is a practice in and of itself um, where you train your mind to come back. You know, whenever those spirals start, you get to the point where once you practice recognizing your brain kind of does it automatically. Um, like, oh, I'm thinking this, like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking this because that's not realistic or changing the direction. Like what is the most positive possible outcome that could happen right now to kind of counter some of that uh, negative spiraling? Um, breathing can do a lot. There's a lot of research on, you know, how breathing just like changes our body chemistry you know, two minutes of slow breathing, 15 seconds for inhale and exhale. Just doing that for two minutes changes the hormones that your body is working with and can naturally calm any anxiety or stress. And so those are techniques you can practice. I think that another thing is, I mean, I wouldn't say positive thinking because that can kind of inhibit working with anxiety, right? If you're too optimistic and then things go wrong that can tend to increase anxiety but thinking ahead of time about possible realistic outcomes so for example you know if you're arriving in a new city and you know you need to get to your apartment that you're going to be renting you know what are the possible challenges that could come from that you know i can't find a taxi what am i going to do in that case my uber app won't work what do i do in that case you know the taxi driver tries to rip me off what do i do in that case I can't find the apartment. What do I do in that case? Thinking about possible challenges and then coming to a point where you can think of how you can solve those without worrying about it, if that makes sense, right? You're not letting yourself think about all the possible negative outcomes because that'll cause anxiety. You're thinking about how you'll handle things. And of course, that happens ahead of time. That's not really, you know, an in-the-moment thing. You spoke of before about learning about your capabilities and knowing what they are, knowing that they may be greater than you thought in some areas and also that, you know, just there might be barriers or limitations in others that it's sensible to be aware of. Have you found that by applying these practices and through these experiences that you spoke of, that your capabilities when it comes to travel, your, try not to use the word courage, but just your ability to put yourself out of your comfort zone has risen in some way or has it impacted how you approach traveling as you gain more experience? It has. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I don't think our capabilities are fixed. I do want to underline that um, because 
travel can teach you where your capabilities are in the moment, and then they can help you grow them, right? So with each little challenge, your capabilities are going to grow and be enhanced. And you learn to recognize how they're growing and enhancing. And so then you can approach new challenges in a way that feels, if not easier, than just more approachable. But yeah, you know, I used to, and I still tend to be a planner. You know, I really like to have everything booked ahead of time. You know, I don't just arrive in a city and kind of look for a hostel like some people would do. I like to know where I'm going, when I'm going to be there. But I've also gotten much better at leaving space for uncertainty. You know, I don't have to have every single day planned. There can be days where I decide, well, let's just walk around the city and see what happens. Maybe we'll find something. A lot of that I learned in Thailand. Um, A lot of that I've learned uh, since I met my partner, Felipe, who was very good at just kind of going with the flow and seeing what happens. You know, I've gotten much more comfortable just seeing how things go. So it has shifted significantly the way I approach my travel. There's a lot of days where I say, well, I want to go see this and then we can just wander around and see. And that's usually where, you know, the best travel stories come in um, are those moments that you don't plan. Thinking of the travel stories I've written, I mean, very few of those came out of, you know, planned tours or, you know, I wanted to see these three specific places on this day and, you know, something really interesting just happened to pop up. You know, it can happen. Um, But I found that letting yourself just explore based on what feels good on a given day, that feels more important to me now. That's a great segue to travel writing as well, because you're right, almost no good travel stories that work. I think about ones that I've written, I think about the submissions we get and the stories we published. They almost never look like, on Tuesday, I plan to do X, Y, and Z. I did X, and I did Y, and I did Z, then I went home to bed like they just don't look like that they are the person who's experiencing it doesn't know what's going to happen next and then when they write about it we as the reader also don't know what's going to happen next and that makes us curious and engaged and so when it comes to the writing side of you when you look back and you write about your travel experiences has that allowed you to first of all has that allowed you to change your relationship with anxiety too by reflecting on it and processing things through writing and second it's i would say looking at this just from an editor's perspective writing about anxiety or an experience in which we're very fearful is is a high risk activity because it can be extremely compelling you know you can bring the reader on they're feeling everything that you're feeling they're rooting for you they, they want you to get it or it can just be instead of writing about the place and the experience and the the significance just entirely sort of self-reflective and it can read like a diary so on the one side how has the process of writing helped you understand more about anxiety and travel and on the other hand sort of all the compound questions by the way um how do you (laughs) write about anxious travel experiences in a way that's interesting and compelling for others to read yeah good questions okay so the first one writing has surprisingly been a really powerful tool just in working with anxiety. I think it's a good point to start with. You know, that can actually be a really interesting mindfulness exercise is, you know, as you're experiencing something, you know, kind of writing the story in your head as you're doing it. Um, And for writers that will feel perhaps very familiar where you tend to just kind of be writing all the time or thinking as a writer, like, how would I write this in a story? 
And so then the, other, the flip side of that is, you know, how does writing then translate into an increased you know, tolerance of anxiety? And I think that it does play a role. Um, I think that writing is key in, you know, that part where we talked about how your capabilities change, you know, how your approach to travel changes. I think that you can get a really solid idea of those shifts and changes when you write about them. You know, we've talked a lot on previous podcast episodes about how our stories often surprise us, or we start writing about one thing and then it takes a completely different direction, or we uncover some you know, little tidbit of truth about ourselves that we weren't really aware of until we put it down on paper. I think that's been something that has helped in my approach to anxiety, is writing down you know, that experience with the motorbike crash, for example, writing it down and recognizing you know, this is what happened and this is how I handled it. This is perhaps how I could have handled it better or worse. You know, just recognizing exactly what happened and understanding how you felt in the moment, you know, how you approached it. And simply that you came out on the other side and were able to write about it. I think that's maybe, you know, maybe the most important part is that you come to the realization that I got through it and now I'm able to reflect on it and write about it. Um, And then that leads to a recognition in future challenges. You know, maybe this will be something that ends up being really interesting and I can get to a point where I can reflect on this and write about this. You know, it becomes a tool to help you recognize this is what life is, right? It's challenges that we overcome that make us grow. And those are the things that generally make up the best travel stories, right? And then travel stories in turn help us recognize where we have already grown and perhaps where we need to grow a little bit more. The follow-up to that, how to write about experiences that have provoked anxiety without making those stories all about the personal journey through anxiety, right? I think that the key, which is what we always tell writers, right, is there's always balance to be had. Um, I think that if you find yourself describing how you felt every second of the experience, that I think is going to become an issue for the travel story because then you're losing perspective on where you are, what you were doing. You're going too far into what you felt. You know, there's a lot of questions we need to answer in travel stories and you know how you felt is one of many. And so if that becomes kind of the main question that you're answering, I think that's when the problems arise in any story. You know, I was recently writing a story about an experience where you know my partner had a panic attack while we were traveling. And that was kind of an introductory scene that helped kind of set the tone and the story arc. There was really no reason to return to that moment. The story wasn't about that. It was simply to set the stage. And I think that if moments of anxiety do that, I think they can be really effective. Um, I think that You know, when we're talking about story arcs, which we do a lot, there in general is a very specific moment of change that generally represents the climax of a story. And the climax can often be a moment that has provoked anxiety or fear or excitement, some kind of intense emotion. But that's one part of the bigger whole, right? There's also a lot of other things that lead up to that moment. There's a lot of things that happen after that moment and they're all related, but you're still focusing on the experience and how it led to that moment. Yeah, I loved um, both both halves of that. First of all, the 
the writing to reflect and also to see something with distance, with context, and then as you're writing about it, using the anxiety, viewing it as part of the landscape, almost like the, to reference our recent competition, like the, the soundtrack. And it's interesting how this can be used as a way to seed interesting information to the reader, stuff that the reader cares about, like protagonist of the story, usually the narrator in the kind of first person travel stories that we publish, but not always. Um, what are they reacting to right now? What does it look like when they're feeling this way? How are they giving that away? What changes at the beginning? You know, how is this? You can present a scenario that at the start of the story elicits a certain reaction or anxious response, and you can display what it means. They're fidgeting, they're unable to do this. And through the end, you see a similar stimulus with a different response. I mean, I was thinking, no, why? But for some reason, I started thinking about that Eminem song. Uh, not often we reference Eminem in travel literature, but <laughs> lose yourself. And the iconic opening line, uh, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. You know, he doesn't have to tell you what he's feeling. He tells you exactly what the physiological signs are. He does actually go on to say he's nervous after that, but <laughs> that's kind of redundant by then. Like how, and once you give those descriptions, the reader can instantly connect with it and feel it as well. So I want to also take this full circle and do a little bit of what we just laid out there. And you've described this big trip to Thailand, this major milestone for you in your own travel life. You're prepared for it beforehand. You kind of anticipated that you would be faced with things that are very challenging for you. You went there, you, you had, at the beginning, it was just a simple, an experience of getting food for the day was used all of your skills to be able to get through that. By the end, those things were fine, but you were faced with other much greater challenges. For example, the motorbike crashed and the same skills that you'd learn helped you to manage that situation, to keep going. And then after, what was it, about a year or so, you returned home. So how is were you different when you returned home versus to how you'd been before you set out? I think that this harkens back to the episode that we did on, you know, how does travel change you or can travel change you? You know, these these changes that happen when we travel, even if we're gone for a year or more, which I was, I was in Thailand for 14 months in total. Um, you know, coming back, it seemed like, you know, my family and friends couldn't really recognize any significant change, which felt so strange to me because I felt so entirely different after I had gotten through these 14 months of, you know, living independently in a different country and everything that came with that. But, you know, in that episode, we talked a lot about how these changes build on each other over time and, you know, shift who you become, but they may not be as obvious after a single travel experience, even if it is a long one. But I did feel when I came back that I was just more open. I mean, that's really just where my mind goes when I think of that. I mean, the world just felt like such a, a friendlier, you know, more accessible place to me um, instead of everything feeling scary, which is part of anxiety. You know, everything kind of elicits a sense of fear, every uncontrollable event or uncertain future. I mean, a lot of anxiety is fear. And there was just less of that when I came back. There was 
this idea that I'm not really sure what I'm going to do now, and that's okay. Um, you know, I'm going to figure it out. I might travel more. I might study more. And whatever I do, you know, it's probably going to be a really interesting, challenging, growth-provoking experience because I just did this huge thing and it was all of those things. And I, you know, I had had the opportunity to practice all the skills that I had started in therapy to deal with anxiety and proved to myself that those things were things that could be practiced and that could be enhanced, that could grow into bigger and better tools to, you know, live with anxiety. It's something I live with still to this day. Um, travel is still a huge part of how I deal with and work with my anxiety. Building anticipation and excitement, you know, can be a really good deterrent for anxiety. And travel does that. You know, I, I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of different things around, you know, treating my own anxiety. But travel plays a huge role in the way that I live my life now. And a lot of that is because it has proven so incredibly effective in teaching me how to live in a way that feels meaningful and open. And, you know, not without fear, but with less fear. Such an interesting insight that you mentioned that when you got home, like you knew that you'd changed, you felt so much more open and that's been evident in your life subsequently. But this wasn't recognized by the folks who are close to you like it didn't perhaps it didn't manifest externally or if it did people just didn't notice and i hear this so often from people who've returned home after long-term travel because for some folks it's almost a little bit invalidating like they feel like they've gone through so much they've challenged themselves so much they've learned so much only to be seen by the folks close to them as exactly the same as before and, and i think that's it's in a way that's the the next lesson to learn is that those changes are for yourself but not necessarily to be understood by others and that's coming to terms with that is, is the next great journey for some yeah and that's you know been a journey that i think i'm still on probably you too nathan you've traveled a lot you probably know exactly how this feels and then you know finding that kind of acceptance which i think travel actually begins that process of acceptance in general um acceptance of the things we we can control the things we can't control, the the people that we are and the people that we aren't. Um, and accepting that is, I think, the first step. Recognizing where we are, what we're doing, what we want. You know, that's kind of the precursor to then understanding that all of this is, is a personal journey. It's not for other people. Even though it's really nice <laughs> when other people say, oh, you've grown so much, you're just so different. That can be great, but you're not going to get that a lot. Because, you know, these are people who have known you your whole life. They see you in a very specific way and they haven't been with you on that journey. They haven't seen each step and each challenge that you've had to face. And so they're not going to understand it. And that's okay. And then that in turn actually has a really fun consequence of you recognize how much you don't know about other people. And that in itself becomes really liberating. What a wonderful insight. And I think a really great moment to wrap this up i learned a lot i think this would be really helpful and just bolstering for people to hear i'm very excited to put this out there thank you so much jim thanks nathan this was great thanks for listening everyone and don't forget to check out our new travel stories published weekly on intrepidtimes.com see you next time